0: Welcome to Nicole ZZ On Air, hosted by artist and designer Nicole ZZ. Here we talk transparently about all things creative from entrepreneurship, art, music, design, tech, sustainability, business ownership, and much more. Stick around to hear from creatives of all walks of life as they intimately share their experiences, tips, and advice. Welcome, everyone, to Nicole ZZ On Air. Today is the final episode, and we have another special guest, Sydney Hart. Sydney Hart is an entrepreneur. She's also a creative. She focuses on rebranding, website design, spreading information to people that are interested into entrepreneurship. So Sydney, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Nicole. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good.
0: You know, it's the end of the week. I'm excited that it's Friday. (laughs)
1: Definitely. The weekend is very near.
0: (laughs) So how did you get into entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah. So um, the funny thing is my mom was an entrepreneur. She might not have called herself one, um, but I watched her, you know, hand make oils and um, head to the farmer's market every Saturday to sell them. So that was my first taste in knowing that, you know, someone in my life, someone close to me was able to create, even if it was just a quick side hustle, um, create their own sort of income, right? So that kind of grew um, throughout my life as I've kind of grown through my creative space. I started um, in music, playing the cello. Um, I kind of grew that into discovering that I had a talent for dance and writing. And when I got to college, I majored in mass communications uh, because I knew that arts was my calling. Um, but I needed to make money, right? So I was um, a junior in college and I actually started designing phone cases, um, bedazzling things, and that grew and grew. Um, And then I realized I could make money from my laptop, right? I was really good at design. So I did like a $30, guys don't ever do this, but a $30 logo sale um, for like a week, I think. Um, And that's kind of just grown within the past two and a half years into a full like brand strategy um, agency.
0: Why do you say not do a $30 logo sale?
1: Oh, never do that, guys. Because um, even if you I mean, there's plenty of reasons. But um, to sort of just kind of break it down in the simplest way. Even if you're going off of like a value based model, right? That $30 logo depending on what your client is selling, they're gonna make a lot more than thirty dollars with, you know, whatever kind of branding items that you give them. So mm-hmm. I definitely say, you know, price things however you want to price things. But even as like a graphic designer starting out, I would at least bumped it up to like fifty to hundred, like, period. Because I was working, you know, overnight for thirty dollars. So yeah. I always tell people to like make sure you do things that work for you, but make sure it makes sense in the long run um, and that it's worth your time. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, I would assume that $30 wouldn't even cover uh, the typography purchase. <laughs>
1: <Literally>. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I, I, I was just curious as to why you say $30 dollars is enough, even though you still find people that sell logos for like 30 $40 online, like people just starting out. I think, you know, starting starting with a low price helps you bring customers in. I think that worked for you, though. Would you say it did?
1: Yeah, I will say it It helped me in terms of, like, my experience. Okay. Um, but I think that, like, as I grew, I started to want to attract a different kind of client. So it wasn't necessarily, like, the college student um, or the, like, up-and-coming entrepreneur. I wanted mm-hmm. to start working with more established folks. So... On my end, that meant, okay. well, you need to start investing in coaches and start, um, you know, investing in programs and learning as much as you can, learning even more. So that way, when you come back to someone, um, whether you want to charge them a thousand plus dollars that, you know, they're able to do that and that they they see the value in it. And it's really funny, too. That you say like you still see people to this day? Because Fiverr, as we know, is a platform that is like huge in terms of Mm -hmm. form there for $5, get a logo, get a website, you know, whatever it is. But Fiverr actually recently rebranded and they didn't go with any of the designers that are on their platform. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm assuming Fiverr spent at least a good 10 plus K on their rebrand. Um, which most corporations do, but it was just really interesting because on their site, they say we have the best designers in the world, but they did not utilize not one of them. So, uh, you know, price is subjective, value is subjective, but um, that's always been something that like has made me chuckle within the past few weeks.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting that Fiverr didn't use anyone from their platform. But I I agree that, you know, you're more than likely going to find someone that is, has a better quality. If their price is a little bit higher, you normally can find like the work and the portfolio that shows that their branding, their design has worked over time. Yeah. So you said that your mother was an entrepreneur and she inspired you.
1: Yeah. So um, she I want to say maybe when I was about 10 or so, she started to sell um like, uh, what was it? Like she made body oils and, um, body wash and things of that sort. And even when I was a baby, like she had a baby book that I discovered. Um, and she sold like Pampered Chef and she did Mary Kay for a bit. So she had always been about, you know, you can have a nine to five, that's fine, but make sure that you have some other source of income, whether it's, you know, what she did in college, like she wrote cover letters and, did resumes and you know some she would do overnight you know if the price was right but yeah that definitely was like my first taste of it um and I never thought that entrepreneurship was far off for me um especially since I was have always been a creative and I've always kind of had these bigger dreams because one of my um things for my company with Heart Creative Studio is within the next 10 years, my goal is to sort of um, cross over into being a full like marketing and branding agency for um, production companies and things of that sort, because I do have a passion for like television and film. So I figure why not merge those two um, loves of mine and just kind of produce the content, the trailers, the websites, whatever it is that they need in order to make sure that their stories are told
0: yes that is that's really that sounds really interesting um so that's something that you're looking to do soon
1: um not real soon probably in the next like um 10 years or so i have recently niched down to like content creators um okay so you know every now and then if a director or producer does come my way i wouldn't be opposed to it at all um but, you know, there's also the conversation about like entrepreneurship. And when you hit a certain level, you have to start scaling if that's what you want to do. Um, So I know there's going to be a point in my life where maybe I want to stop designing or maybe I just want to hire other designers to work for me while I focus mostly on the creative direction, the more business side, the more co- kind of like connection side of it all um, and just have designers, copywriters, um, videographers, whatever it is. Under my belt that I can kind of reach out to to get these projects done.
0: Would that? Would you consider that company being under the same branding that you have right now?
1: Um. Yeah. For sure. Um. I love a good pivot. So, um. You know, I wouldn't mind a slow. You know, maybe six month pivot where I'm kind of just reaching out to different folks than I'm used to working with. Um, and just kind of changing it up. I don't mind that at all.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about your branding work. Your skill set is in branding and rebranding, correct?
1: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: So how does someone um, create a amazing rebrand? You know, I hear a lot about, you know, rebranding artists wanting to rebrand, companies wanting to rebrand. Say there's a company that had a failure and now their sales has declined and now they're like, wait, how do we, how do we, get customers back wanting to shop with us again or pr- wanting to get services from, again, from us again. How does that process work in creating a, a successful rebrand?
1: Got you. So um, one thing I want to let everyone know too is that anytime you are sitting down and rethinking the strategy that's behind your business or rethinking um, what you currently have and implementing those changes, in my opinion, that is a rebrand in itself, right? So if an influencer sit down sits down and says, you know, I think I want to go with a different style of photography um, for 2021, that's a rebrand, right? I think that um if you're looking for like a full rebrand, which is usually what I specialize in, which includes like the strategy as well as the visuals, I think that you definitely have to start at like the very, very base, which is always gonna be You know, why did you start this company? Um, Is your why the same? Has your why changed? Um, And who are you reaching for, right? So a lot of the times when people approach me for a rebrand, it's not because there's something off, but it may be because they want to reach a different type of audience. Maybe the offer that they have, people have been different types of people have been reaching out and maybe they're just kind of rethinking where they are in that space. But you always, always, always want to think about, um, of course, your mission, your vision. But I always like to hone in on the ideal client or customer, because in the end, that's who's going to be buying your things. Right. And that's who ultimately you want to uh, persuade to invest in you, whether that's just energy, time or money. Right. So when we're thinking about rebranding, it has to be in a sense of let's figure out what's been working. And let's figure out how to keep doing that in a way that gives us a fresh look, a new look. Um, but let's also think about what hasn't been working. Right. So what are you sick of doing? Like, what is there? Is there are there any services? Are there any products that you're like, I'm tired of making this? I'm tired of doing this. It's always the same thing. OK, well, then it might be time to delegate that to someone or do away with it altogether. Right. So like I know for me. Next year, I'm gonna start offering copywriting services. That's something that, like, I'm scared about doing, but I know that I'm good at it, and I know that people really do need it because I have mm-hmm. a lot of clients that come to me and say, "Look, I either don't, it's not in my budget right now to hire a copywriter, or." I'm doing it myself and I'm stressed like so it it really just depends where you are in your journey but it ultimately depends on who you're trying to reach um, because that's going to determine everything that's going to determine what colors you use and what kind of fonts you use um, what photography style you have because different things invoke you know different emotions
0: that makes a lot of sense so for me I know I I'm a fashion designer but I initially started with doing furniture design. Like I know down the line that I want to implement furniture and home products and just little things outside of fashion. So that would that be considered a rebrand?
1: Yeah. So I think if it's all going to be under the same like Nicole's Z net, I definitely think so. Um, And it could even be like categorized as like an expansion of sorts. Um, because if you still have the same mission, if you're still kind of going for the same crowd of people, because your clothes are amazing. I've seen them, right? So let's say that that person, that loyal customer, because we have customers and then we have the customers that are gonna like wait for you to restock, right? So mm-hmm. the loyal customers, if those are the same folks um that you're trying to reach, I think that could be considered a rebrand. And that could also just be considered like, hey guys, we have a new kind of facet, a new um, package of offerings or services or products that we have. Um, And if you, if you have like your niche down, if you have your ideal client down, they're not going to think twice about it. They're going to be like, Oh, so we can have the clothes and the, Oh, okay. Like let me go over here and buy this couch real quick. Like they're not gonna think twice about it, right? So um I think though if you're trying to reach a different set like a different kind of market with like your furniture design, then that would be considered a rebrand because let's say you're going for like in your clothes, let's say you're going for like the millennials or the hipster type of crowd and then the furniture, you're like, okay, I want to target like stay-at-home moms because I know they're going to be making vision boards for like six months just to get their living room right. So um, I think it depends like what your goal is. So
0: if if I were to target stay-at-home moms, would you suggest keeping it under that brand? Because or... I'm curious because like say I wanted to go some way like that and – Not saying I'm going that way Mm because I'm more than likely not going that way. But if I were to go that way, would I have to rebrand the entire products, entire product catalog that I have?
1: Got you. I don't think so at all. I think think your strategy would specifically have to come from the marketing aspect to not attract the same people because they're already attracted. But how can I roll this out to make sure that their ears prick up and that they have questions and that they buy, right? So I think that's going to go like into your marketing rollout. Like, you know, if it's going to be a three month rollout or a six month rollout where you're like slowly hinting um, at, you know, see, see this model that's sitting on this chair. And yes, she has my clothes on, but look at what she's sitting on. What, is there something new that you see? You know, I think that's going to specifically come from like your marketing strategy for sure.
0: Okay. So what would you say is the worst branding in website? mistake that you have seen
1: got you so one thing that I always advocate for every single business owner is do what works for you so you know if you are like I don't want to have my family on my social media or like for me I pretty much just put my pets on there and me like that's pretty much it like you don't see my partner you don't see you know my family for the most part because I want it to I want my kind of bubble to be in a safe space right But people always know that they can DM me. People always know that I'm accessible. So the biggest mistake I definitely think is cutting off the sale before people even get there. So if you're thinking about branding in a sense, let's say like on social media, um, I know that it's huge to say no DMs or it's huge to say... um, you know, don't comment concerning your order, which is fine, especially if you have a huge kind of following. You want to kind of funnel things down to where you can manage them. But um, there are plenty of entrepreneurs who have made sales in their DMs. There are plenty of entrepreneurs who have just answered questions if someone has in their DMs. And I think that's the same conversation that you could have about a website, right? So, yeah, you have a website. Yeah, it looks great. It has um all this information. Maybe even too much information um that someone needs to buy, but there's no like there's no email address on there, right? There's no option to ask questions if they want to order um and they're not sure about it. There's not a lot of reviews. So I think that prompting people like not prompting people because you've prompted people, right? So you've had the photo shoot, or you've done the Facebook ads or whatever avenue you want to take. But once people hit your website, once people hit your social media, once people meet you in person, whatever it is, what are those next steps that they're going to need to take to buy from you and to buy from you easily? Like don't make the sale harder than it has to be. So I definitely think, um, those are the those are the examples that I would give for sure, because like, say, for instance, like you sell plants like I'm, I'm just kind of looking at my plant right here. Right. So someone sees your plants like they're the photography is great. They're like, OK, I'm so like, how do I how do I get this? And they go to the website and let's say your website is still under construction, but there's no way for them to get notified. There's no, um, you know, put your name and email here. There's no, here's our Instagram for more. It's literally just a coming soon page. We'll be here in three months, in six months, whatever it is. You can even have a countdown to like when you're supposed to launch. So I definitely think that um, cutting off the sale and then making sure that even if it, even if the sale isn't available, making sure people have a way to know when it is.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I used to always, well, I, I still... Now that you talked about the Instagram don't DM aspect, I used to like, I know why someone would put don't DM, like they don't want to be overwhelmed. Um, but I always used to, I always wondered, like, how did the, how does that, how does a customer perceive that?
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, I think, I know, well, I can only speak for me, right? So, like, for instance, I'm getting a hair appointment in a few weeks, right? So I was looking for stylists here in Lexington um, to do my hair, and there were some that had no DMs, like at all. And to me, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's cool, but like, why can't I DM you? Like, it's just, social media is literally meant to be social. So if you're cutting off conversations before people can even ask you a question. You know, some and then you also have to think about what kind of journey somebody has. Right. So maybe they've gone to your website and maybe they're not comfortable emailing or whatever the case is. A DM isn't going to you know, break the bank. And I always like my personal kind of um, rule. I guess you could say, quote unquote, rule. It depends what kind of relationship someone has with me. But I don't mind questions in my DMs. But usually I can tell when someone's like fishing. Or like a free, you know, a free call. Or um, hey, what do you think of this color palette? You know, stuff like that. So usually, my kind of rule when I see the direction things are going is I say, okay, after three to four questions, I'm just gonna invite them on a call because it's obvious, you know, what they want. So even if you open up your DMs and you say, okay, I'm this isn't gonna be something I'm gonna publicize, but In my own, you know, in-house rules, I'm gonna tell my assistant, whoever's handling my DMs, give people three questions or two questions, and then tell them, "Hey, I have a website. You can go to find more information, or you feel free to book a consultation call with me if you want to continue this conversation." Here's my email address. Like, there's way to there's ways to funnel the conversation away from social, if it, you know, to a platform that feels more comfortable for you, but also serves the the needs or the wants of your client or customer at that time. Thank you for answering that.
0: Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Sydney, you seem so confident as a entrepreneur. Do you ever experience imposter syndrome?
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, Because I am a completely self-taught designer, um, I definitely have battled in the past with thinking, oh, I shouldn't charge this much because I learned from YouTube or I learned from Google. but I think that one thing that has always helped one of my coaches actually told me that your clients don't care where you learn this thing at um so whether you learned it in your bedroom, whether you learned it in your dorm room, whether you learned it in a un- on you know in a university classroom, they simply care about the results they're gonna get and the transformation that you're gonna provide. So as long as that's communicated, um, you know you're good to go for the most part so. I believe me. I definitely have my moments where I'm just like, "What? Wait, why am I like? What? <laughs> what how did this happen?" I'm self-taught. You know, I I work from an 11 inch MacBook Air. Like, I don't have this desktop. You know, full of tools. You know, I make my money from right here. But I think that there's like a testimony in that as well to say, "Well, I've also done well with what I have." This proves that I'm resourceful. This proves that, you know, I'm capable of learning things that are not necessarily handed to me. So I think that the way I work through imposter syndrome is flipping things on on their heads. Right. So instead of saying things like, I don't know what I'm doing, say simply, well, I have figured it out before. I can figure it out again and do it very, very well, just like I have done. Right. So even just taking like that negative self-talk and literally stopping it in its tracks. As soon as it happens, say, hold on, (laughs) like, you're still dope. I don't know where this is coming from, but, you know, we're going to do some introspection later and see where it's coming from. But right now we're going to boss up and figure it out. Um, And one other thing that really does help me is playlists too. Um, So I have like a get a check playlist. I have a patience playlist. Um, so whenever I am feeling, especially right now in the world with the way black women are, um, you know, being treated on a day-to-day basis, I think that simply having those moments where you, you create your own joy, um, whether someone's handing, handing it to you or not, I think is like key to help me operate.
0: Hmm. That's interesting that you say that you have playlists. I, I, I feel like I'll take that and put that, put that in my strategies. I, I, um, I also deal with imposter syndrome. I think most, most of us deal with it. And especially as self-taught designer, um, I'm like, (laughs) I'm not so taught, but I did not go to school for fashion design. I went for a different subject, product design. I like that people realizing that a client is not going to look for your degree. I spoke to people before that have told me like, you know, I've gotten jobs where they'll require you to have a degree, but because of my portfolio, they don't even ask for that. Okay. So it just shows that what's more important is the quality of your work rather than where you learned it. Because, you know, you can, there are plenty of people that went to great schools that may not have the same skill set that you have.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that um, when it comes to imposter, and I will say, too, like, I think when you're dealing with imposter syndrome or even sales in general, which is a lot of what my imposter syndrome kind of uh, revolves around is my confidence in being able to sell what I offer. I think that having the conversation with yourself about what your strengths are, too. Um, -hmm. like you said, like I, I'm really good at kind of dealing with it, but I'm also good at just kind of compartmentalizing things. Um, that's something that I've been able to do since I was like a teenager. A lot of stuff like trauma has happened in my life period where I'm able to like, okay, this crappy thing happened right before I'm about to take a test, but I'm about to go in here and just kill it. And we'll deal with this later. So I'm really good at kind of pushing things to the side in order to, um, you know, operate in my bigger purpose, finish whatever task I have to finish, and then when it's complete, step taking a step back and saying, Okay, now what was this about? You know, um, mm-hmm. so I think that like figuring out where your strengths are, and I don't necessarily like to call them weaknesses, I like to call them like places of improvement, places you need to work on. Um, but figuring out, you know, where you need to improve, what you need to do, like, I'm a, um, I'm a huge fan of like human design. I don't know if you've heard of that, but um, it's based- What is that? Yeah, it's based, so I don't have a lot of the details, um, but it's based off of like your birthday, what time you were born. It's very astrology based, um, but there are different kind of profiles that you fall under. So I'm a generator. Um, And generators specifically are doers. Like We're very reactive in our work. Um, we're not the type to, we're not the type to delegate, which is something I'm working on, but we're the type to, if something happens, we're like, okay, immediately, what do we do to fix this? Like, I'm not sit here and wine. We need to figure out a solution. Like, that's just kind of the person that I am. Um, but there's also like manifestors and projectors. Um, so I think even taking the time to like sit down and. Think about your human design, or if you're into astrology, figuring out you know what kind of uh, what your rising is. What your I don't know the details about all that, but you know, even taking like personality tests is really great for me because a lot of the times we can sit here and say, well, I'm I, I don't think I'm good enough, or um, you know, I don't have ten years of experience like this person, and I want to charge the same person as the same price as that person. Um, But I think that, too, one really good tip I have is simply asking, like, your family and friends and even some of your previous clients and customers, hey, like, if you could use three words to describe me, what would they be? Like, what do you think some of my strengths are? Because sometimes we talk to ourselves um, all kinds of crazy, but when someone else, quote unquote, showers us with that same um, love and intention that we deserve, it can really kind of flip our mindset. So I asked my grandmother and my cousin like a few weeks ago, if you could describe me in three ways, what would it be? And a lot of those words that they wrote down, I just have on sticky notes and I just kind of keep them up on my wall throughout the house to sort of motivate me whenever I am feeling like I am, you know, not good enough.
0: That's that's really good. I tend to,
1: I guess this would
0: kind of be like, uh, I tend to do affirmations Mm-hmm. But never it's never focused on just imposter syndrome. Maybe I can find a way to incorporate that <laughs> into my into my daily routine.
1: Yeah, even if it's just affirmations like um like you know, I I am worth it simply because I am, or um, you know, like I said before, like saying things like I've f- I've i figured it out, um I can figure it out again, or even if you're feeling like you don't have the tools to complete a task, say I have a network that is, you know, abundant and full, Um, just things like that, that lets you know, okay, even if I don't have it, I have a network, I have a community behind me that will help me have it, you know, just something simple like that to sort of jumpstart your confidence.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Definitely some great, tips and tools I definitely gonna incorporate like I I tend to um sometimes I'll get projects that some I'll feel like is like above what I should be doing
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and uh for some reason I just try like I tend to just figure it out. Yeah. But sometimes I'll feel like whoa, like maybe I should refer them to someone else. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever experience like a feeling where you should like give someone else your projects?
1: Um. Yeah, every now and then I do. But I also think that like when you're going through a project, when you're working through, um, you know, trying to consider whether you should take something on, I think that what I've been trying to do is simply reframe whatever the project is and say, okay, well, instead of thinking about can I do this? Let's think about if it's the best fit for me, right? So a lot of the times, especially if we if we have a product or a service, we feel like the sales process can turn into us feeling like we have to um, prove ourselves constantly and constantly say, well, yeah, you should buy this because of X, Y, Z. Um, but a lot of the times, like on my sales call, when I hop on a sales call with a client, the first thing I say, and it's not just for them, it's to remind me as well. This sales call, um, is to see if we're a good fit for each other. Um, it's to simply have a conversation, learn more about each other, um, and see if we think this could be a successful project. Period. Right. It's not, a, it's not for you to interview me. It's not for me to interview you. It's simply, okay, does this feel right for both of us? And if it does, let's move forward. So mm-hmm. I think that like when it comes to projects like that, like let's say like a huge influencer I follow comes to me and says, Hey, I want a new logo, website, all that, of course, immediately I'm gonna be like, um, are you sure you got the right Instagram? Like, are you sure you hit the right email? Like, I don't think you're the right, you know, I'm the right person. But what I'm gonna what I'm gonna kind of flip that around and say is, okay, well, once I got past like this shop of them reaching out is, okay, do they align with my business goals? Are there, you know, is there content aligned with the kind of uh, project I want to complete? Are their goals something that, um, you know, not necessarily something I'm used to getting because I'm always up for a challenge and new results, but is this in line with, you know, my goals in general? And if, If all of that is a yes, then, okay, let's do it. And if there's a no somewhere in there, maybe we need to have another conversation for me to gain some clarity. Or maybe it's just a simple, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be the right fit simply because, like, let's say the website you want is going to be, you know, too robust for my timeline or whatever it is. Here are some, you know, awesome referrals that I could give you. So just reframing it into saying, okay, instead of me thinking I'm not the best fit for this, think, okay, are they the best fit for me? Like they approach me, this, this came to me. So they obviously, you know, think I have what it takes.
0: Which project was your favorite project that you've done so far?
1: Yeah. So I, uh, actually am in the middle of my favorite run right now. Um, she's a wedding planner in California, Southern California specifically. Um, and, she approached me because she hadn't planned a wedding in a bit. Um, So she really wanted to kind of hit the ground running when it came to her next few projects. Her testimonials were amazing. Her work is amazing. Um, So we're in the middle of her website development project. Um, Her business is called the modern bride concierge. And um, we're going to be launching that in a few weeks. So that has been one of my favorites as well. And then of course, like projects that I work on with my friends. Um, So, I rebranded one of my friends who's a therapist earlier this year. So that was really fun as well. So those two, I would definitely say are like my top.
0: Yeah, I think friends, friends are always fun to work with. I think most of the time it's a great process to work with friends. You have been working with women worldwide to create a visual and digital presence. What is, what is that process like?
1: Yeah, so it is. It's an intense process, but it's one that gets great results, right? So um, usually when folks come to me, they're in a place where they're just kind of sick of doing the DIY thing. They are um, over it in terms of the type of clients they're attracting. Maybe they've attracted the, the the last trash client that they can take. And they're just like, look, maybe I need to switch some things around so people know I'm not the one. So um once we start that process, we start with strategy first and foremost, right? Um, So it's not just strategy as in, okay, what is your goals and how how can we accomplish? We do deep, deep market research. I interview their past clients a lot of the times to see what kind of transformation they provided. Because a lot of the times, um, especially when it comes to like writing and communicating as well, you want to make sure that you're speaking their language, right? And it's not just, you're not just creating services or products that you think people want, um, but you're making sure that you're asking people. Okay, well, yeah, I have a passion for this, but I want to make sure that this fits your needs. Um, so we work through the strategy. We get like a whole brand brief together that has like the whole creative direction in terms of colors. Um, then we go through the brand identity phase, which is my absolute favorite, which includes like the logo, the business cards, things of that sort. They usually end up having a photo shoot next. Um, and then after the photo shoot, after I've gotten the photos, we wrap up with website. Um, and then we go through like a short launch strategy period where we really sort of strategize how they're going to roll things out. Um, and then after that, we're off to the races. Their their website is live. They're um, getting inquiries. They're emailing me if they have questions. And then we're good to go for the most part.
0: Have you, Have you ever... Had to deal with a client um, after completing, well, how do you deal with your clients after completing a project and them wanting to go back and get revisions or wanting you to go and maybe go into their website and continuously update or change things or asking you to change those type of things?
1: Got you. So I actually dealt dealt with this within like my first year of business. Um, And that's when I had to put a firm boundary up. Um, So I actually have, uh, well, I'm going to start having day rates available for previous clients, new clients, um, where if they do need something done, we can just, they can book a whole day with me and we can kind of, you know, go down the whole list. Uh, Because what I found happening was they would say, hey, I need this edit. Okay, cool. I'll hop in there, change it around. Two weeks later, hey, I need this edit. OK, great. Let's hop in there again. Um, so what I've started doing is saying, letting people know, like, hey, um, let's just focus on the launch right now. If you have revisions like that's fine. I give two rounds of revisions on everything anyway. Um, but after that, the revision phase will either come with a fee or um if you're comfortable, we can just go ahead and launch and then go back at it, you know, for a day rate and, you know, change anything up, right? So, like, there was one client who asked for, um, I think it was, was it an extra, like, envelope or something? It was something to do with, like, stationing. I think they wanted, like, a media kit or something. Um, And one thing I always tell people, if you're a service provider, if folks ask you something that, like, you either don't want to do or that you don't have the time to do right now, I definitely suggest always starting off with, I can definitely get that done for you, Um, but X, Y, Z, right? So, but here's, this is going to be the cost or, but I think we should finish out the project or maybe we'll handle that a few weeks later. Um, But you always want to handle clients with care, especially depending on your price point. If folks are handing you thousands of dollars, they're going to need a certain level, you know, not necessarily of coddling, but of care. They want to feel, clients always want to feel special. So you always want to frame things in a positive way, in a way that positions you as the expert and positions you in a way of a problem solver. So always saying, yeah, no problem, um, but here's going to be the stipulations to get that done.
0: Definitely handling each client with care, especially if they're, whether it's thousands or hundreds of dollars that they're spending with you is important, making sure that they understand that You value their time and they also value your time. So creating a mutual level of respect for both. How long have you had your business in it?
1: Technically, probably about two and a half years. Um, I started with like a whole different name um, when I was starting graphic design. But I had been designing for about six years before that um, because I actually had a really cool experience in high school where I had a media class. Um, and we made like, uh, movie trailers and we, uh, designed websites, we made newsletters. So that was my first introduction into graphic design. Um, so I have been designing yeah for about six to eight years before that. So when I finally decided to, you know, put a price tag on things that, you know, just kind of took it to a whole other level. And I had a lot of lessons, <laughs> you know, in that time.
0: Mm-hmm when you started your business, did you ever experience fear just wanting to create your business? Like when I first created my business, it took me a lot to want to use my own personal money to fund something that I wasn't sure I was going to make back. Was that something that you experienced?
1: Um, yeah, for sure. Especially, um, especially during like my sort of bedazzling phase when I was making phone cases and things. And then I think that also taught me a lesson too. I was spending more money on supplies and I was getting back in profit and revenue. Um, so that's also why I just kind of pivoted because I realized that from behind my laptop, the only thing I was pretty much spending money on was either fonts or um like Adobe creative suite. And at that point I had a student discount. So it was only like $20 a month. So I was like, Oh, this is the sweet spot. Like I'm cool. Um, and now most of my investments come from like coaching programs and, uh, mentorship and things of that sort to where I feel like, okay, I'm not sure. Like, I know I need to hit another level in my business. I know I have questions. Um, you know, let me go ahead and just hop in this coaching program. And then I will say, too, like, I have been in programs where, you know, you spend all this money and the, the I'm big on my community and I'm big on having a coach or a mentor or whatever you want to call it that doesn't mind dedicating their time and, and prioritizing you in a way. So I have been in programs where, you know, the money just went down the drain, like, You know, we're still paying for the program and things are happening. So I think that my lesson in that has also been, okay. well, you could spend this money, but make sure you take enough time to think about the impact and look at the results that, you know, other people are getting. So whether that is, you know, you have a product based business and you're looking into um, swatches or whatever it is, okay, what are the reviews on this company? Like, let me see, you know, if things are going to pan out. And then also having a plan. Like, I know a lot of a lot of conversation in entrepreneurship is just do it. Like, just throw your money at it or just quit your job. And that is a conversation for specific people. Um, but for some, like me, I'm very, very, um, very technical in things. I think everything out sometimes too much. But um it saved me a lot of the times, right? So if I am considering something but I just don't have that gut feeling, I'm not gonna do it. Like because my intuition is just really, really big for me, right? And most of the times if something doesn't feel right and I invested in it and it flops, I'm like, look, it just told you, like, <laughs> your gut told you so. You need to start listening to it, right? So I think everybody's gonna have their own experiences when they invest in certain things in their business um, and also asking as many questions. So I know like, I know I'm specifically talking about like coaching programs, but even when it comes to different software, like I've been considering uh, moving away from Adobe and which is going to be a really hard decision if I do, but I've been considering, you know, cheaper avenues, avenues that have like a cheaper annual rate where I just pay one time and get the same benefits, right? Right. But asking people, hey, have you used this before? Like, what do you think it's like? Um, And, you know, if you feel like you're getting on the nerves, switch to somebody else or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. But really, really following your intuition and making sure that you're taking the time to ask questions is going to be like key. At least it is for me.
0: I think mentorships are amazing. And I've never had a coach before. How did you find your mentor and like how did you approach? Just asking them to be your mentor or maybe?
1: Yes. Yeah, so when it comes to my mentor specifically, um, so I have two right now, which I'll probably have more in the future. But right now, um, my very first mentor actually had a mentorship program. Um, So she's a writer. And it just so happened that I had followed her. And I had been following her for about a year. So I had seen about a year's worth of content. Um, I knew she was bomb. And then uh, maybe about two, three months before I decided to invest in the program, you know, I guess she started her kind of launch period where she was saying, hey, I'm going to start accepting new mentees. And I had just relocated back to Kentucky where I went to school. I didn't have a job at that point. So I was I was just feeling really lost. Um, And like I said, my intuition was telling me, like, maybe you need to get a boost, you know, from this program. So I got an hour. No, I got. I got 30 minutes with her every week Um where I got to just ask her as many questions as I did. And then once the program was over, I became an alum. Um, so I get 30 minutes with her once a month um, forever, as long as I want. So that really helped, too. And then she also had. um we also had a phone call before I even decided to invest where she got to ask me questions. I got to ask her questions. Um, and it just felt like a really, really good, good investment. So, and it still is I actually just was texting with her this morning. Um, and if you guys are wondering what the program is, I'm sorry. Cause I know there's going to be listeners. My mentor is Pollyanna Reed. She's a celebrity ghostwriter, um, from Canada. And, uh, she has a mentorship program called new girl on the block. Uh, And there's literally hundreds of mentees. So it's also good for networking and connecting with like-minded women. And then my second mentor, I actually, um, she's a copywriter. And she was doing these strategy calls. And at that point, I was like, well, let me make sure, like, is my copy good on my website? So I booked one with her. And towards the end of the call, she was like, you know, this is really good. And she was just like, have you ever thought of doing copywriting? And I was like, well... I mean, not really, but I mean, I've considered it, but, and she was like, well, I'll train you. I need help with my projects anyway. So that's how that, um, relationship developed. So a lot of my mentorship relationships have just happened by like happenstance. Like, you know, all of a sudden I came across this woman and I think she's amazing or she thinks I'm amazing. And we're about to learn from each other and you know i get to ask questions so it's really been something that's been amazing and i think if you're going to reach out to a mentor or even a coach um if they don't have a program of sorts i think emailing them is going to be like your best bet either emailing or dming in the most respectful way i think a lot of the times people hop in dms and inboxes um in a way that they're just assuming the person is going to say yes without saying, OK, what value do they get from this as well? Right. So if I'm going to be your mentor, what what track record do you have in the past where you've implemented whatever a coach or um, even a guidance, you know, someone who's guided you has given you. Right. I, I think m- mentors specifically are looking for them to not necessarily be your last option but they they want to see results. They want to see what work have you put in already? Because if I'm going to donate my time to you, then I have to see that work being implemented as well.
0: I never I never thought of it that way. I have a mentor. Um it started with an internship. So maybe that was kind of the value I brought to that person. <laughs> uh but I guess for those that are just reaching out as far as just wanting to just get a mentor without knowing the person and it would make sense like how can you also help this person if they're going to be devoting time to you is an important factor i'm sure i'm going to want to look for more mentors and i'm not i'm at a place where i'm not looking for like internships or jobs and i'm sure that in the future it will just be like hey would you like you know reaching out like hey I'm interested in learning from you type of situation. And it would be good to know, like, how can I also bring them something as well?
1: Yeah. Thinking of it as a two-way street.
0: Exactly. Well, Sydney, it was great having you on here. I feel like I learned a lot from you. Oh,
1: thank you. (laughs) I definitely appreciate it. I, um... I'm still listening to a lot of the uh, episodes of previous episodes. So I'm going to be binging in today while I work, um, but I definitely appreciate your time. I appreciate you, you know, granting me your platform, even if it was only for an hour. Um, and I'm just so excited that we got to connect and I got to learn, you know, more about you as well. I had no idea you started in like furniture design. So that was really cool to learn about you, too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. I, I looked at your website and everything is, you know, it's nice. It's very professional. And... Thanks for tuning in to Nicole ZZ On Air. Make sure to visit our website, NicoleZZStudio.com and Instagram, NicoleZZStudio, where you can subscribe to our list for updates on the show.